Brothers and sisters of the barbecue world, Cowboy Kev here welcoming you to another episode of Man Meat Barbecue with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is proudly sponsored by Fire and Smoke Barbecue. If you're looking for a new seasoning, head over to fireandsmokebbq.com. We ship nationwide or pick up a catering menu for those of you in the Chicago area. Also brought to you by Myron Mixon Smokers. If you're a caterer competition or just a backyard cooker, we have the smoker for you. Go check them out at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And now, here is your host, Mikey K. What's up, guys? So we are bringing you another episode of this awesome show. We are hanging out with Eric from Mason Dixon Barbecue Services. If you're looking for them on the internet, it's Mason Dixon BBQ Services on Instagram. Uh, it's mdbbqservices.com, uh, which this will all be in the show notes. So if you just go go to our website or go to the show notes, you will see all this linked. You don't have to you don't have to search far for it, but um, we are hanging out with Eric. Um, he is a great guy. I'm going to let him t- introduce himself a little bit. So, Eric, tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, Mikey, my name is Eric Forster. Um, I have uh, two uh, barbecue supply stores, uh, I guess you'd call them, uh, called Mason Dixon Barbecue. We have one here in Greencastle, Pennsylvania, and then we have another one about an hour from here in Frederick, Maryland. Um, I was uh, in the restaurant business for a long time, about 12 years or so. And then I escaped that and got into manufacturing. Um, my uh, one of my the places that was manufacturing, we did large barbecue grills for primarily for commercial. Um, we did a lot with rental. We did a fair amount for universities and stuff like that. And then we did a ton of grills for the military. Um, so big toe behind units and stuff like that. And then I uh, kind of started getting involved into competition barbecue and competed for about. I don't know, three or four years. I uh, kind of got turned off by it a little bit, got, got burned out to a certain degree. And then uh, and that was from 2005 to about 2008. Now, and then I uh, started my – go did, ahead. Did you get burned out because you figured out that competition barbecue is a pain in the ass? No, you know what? I got burned out because it stopped being fun for me. <laughs> um, I was uh, – the the guy that I, I cooked with actually now owns a uh, barbecue restaurant – in Mon Alto, Chris Carter, Carter Q Barbecue. Okay. Um, but Chris and I were really good friends, and it would get to the point. It got to the point where we were winning on a regular basis. You know, not not GC necessarily, but top ten. It started okay. to pay for itself a little bit, and but we really got on each other's nerves after a while because, you know, say he was out late visiting with folks. Uh, you know how it is at a competition. So yep. you know, you have a few and this and that. And so we would tank in, in one of the categories and I'd get all pissy or I would go off and do the same thing. And we'd tank in one of my categories and he'd get all pissy. And after a while, it just it just stopped being fun for me. There were better ways for me to spend a weekend than doing, you know, than, than going out and competing. I guess that's the easiest way to do it because I loved barbecue and I loved going out and cooking. Um, I didn't like taking it serious in any way, shape or form to me, especially back then, you know, there was a war going on and this and that. And I'm thinking to myself, OK, so these folks are getting really upset, you know, including myself about barbecue and we're competing on barbecue. And across the world, people are getting shot left and right. And 
we're worried about barbecue on a Saturday. You know, this should be fun for us. And because of that, I just didn't, I don't know. I, it kind of lost its luster for me. I, I could definitely understand that. And I, I think the other hard thing is like, for me, the hard thing with barbecue is, uh, or with barbecue competitions is, man, if, if you get put on that, you know, a bad table, shit, dude, it's all over. You know what I you mean? Know, like, but, you know what, though, Mikey? One of the worst things KCBS ever did, um, and, and they're not going to be happy at that, about this. I'm an organizer. Okay, we put on a, an event called the Iron Man Barbecue every year. Oh, oh um, dude, I then have you never heard me talk about that one's one of the coolest ones? Oh, <laughs> thanks, I appreciate that. That that whole concept came up in a bar when I was about half ripped, and we were yeah. taking notes. Anyway, isn't that and, when uh, all the greatest concepts come up? Yeah, pretty much. You know what? Pretty much all my good ideas really happened right about that time. But um, but yeah, so we put on the Iron Man. And uh, but but one of the things getting back to KCBS and, and I don't want to piss them off because every year they, they kind of look at my contest a little sideways. Yeah. But um, um, one of the things that they did wrong, I think, years ago was started telling teams on which tables their barbecue is being judged, because for years and years there have been tables of death and angel tables, but nobody knew it. And and not to say that ignorance is bliss, but in this case, it ignorance absolutely was. Yeah. And when they started telling teams, you know, and showing them what tables their their product had been, you know, their turn-ins had been judged on, and they could see where the good tables were and the bad tables were, created much of the conflict that exists now in barbecue, I think. Yeah. I I, I just think it's very difficult for you to be like, oh, by the way, you know, like <clears> – <throat> here's the table that you're being judged on. You know, it's not going to be not going to end up. Well, it's like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how to fix it. You know, we, you know, we've talked about it a lot. I'm sure everybody's talked about it a lot. And, um, you know, a few years back, there was uh, the barbecue brethren. Do you remember the barbecue brethren? I'm not sure if that's still, yeah, I don't know if that's still around or not. I mean, they, they got hot and heavy here in the mid Atlantic and, uh, you know, they tried to put on their own competitions and, they were going to fix the, the the judging situation and stuff, and they just ended up using KCBS judges just like everybody else. Um, until somebody comes up with a better system, you know, everyone's going to have to live with with what's out there. But there's there's you know, no one's really come up with a better idea yet. You know, I think it. I think the difficult thing is. Um, it, it's so hard because it's so much food, right? And you mm-hmm. can't have you can't have like five people judge the whole damn competition, right? Right. So you get 10, you get 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 judges at some of these competitions. Mm-hmm. Dude, those flavor profiles are flying all over the place. And then some of these guys have never cooked. Some of these right. guys have never turned on a grill let alone, right. you know, anything else. They're just like, I know barbecue. I bro, No, you don't. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I, I'm loud and I'm obnoxious about it, but it's like, man, no, you don't. What? Because you took a fucking six-hour class? Right. So you right. know barbecue? I don't, dis- 
You know, I don't disagree with you. But, you know, from the organizer side, we see a lot of the, the scores and stuff like that. So, like, I have enough judges now. I've done I've, – I've organized 12 professional competitions, uh, master series, I guess we call them, because, you know, there's no such thing as professional, KCBS kept saying. But anyway, so it's, it's master series competitions. And um, looking at it from the backside and seeing the scores that come in and stuff like that, it's really interesting because we can pick and choose judges. Now, judges don't like to hear that. They always want to be first come, first serve and stuff like that. But I really like to mix it up. I, I like to when we when we get judges like for the Ironman, for example, say I need 60 judges, um, actually 72. I think it was last year. But anyway, say we need 72 judges. I'll get 160 applications for those 72 spots. OK, and we do go in or I do go in and I look at those judges. I look to see who the master judges are. I look to see who the first timers are. And honestly, my favorite judges out there when the, the judge consistently that we can see are the guys that have done anywhere from eight to 15 competitions. OK, the hardest judges out there by far that give the lowest scores in general are master judges. The most experienced judges out there are the ones that, that that tend to give the the hardest scores from what I have seen here in the Mid Atlantic. Okay. I, you know, and and you would think that they would know because to be a master judge, you've competed with the team and you've cooked with the team, but they tend to be the hardest guys out there scoring wise. I think if you ask KCBS reps, and and maybe I'm wrong. But I think if you ask the reps across the board, because they all know the judges, particularly in a given region, they yeah. could tell you who the good judges and who the bad, who the hard judges and who the easy judges are. That's a better way of putting that. Okay. And that see, that's so like to me, that kind of like almost kills that like compete like competitionness. You know what I mean? Because it's like if you put, you know, you got to really mix those tables up really well. And you do. Yeah, absolutely do. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because if you don't mix those tables up and you get a, a fucking just a perfect table of just love, you know. <laughs> the table of love. That's funny. <laughs> Why shouldn't, shouldn't every judging table be the table of love? Not if they're show. giving you sevens. <laughs> no, I said they should be. <laughs> it should be just a table of love. So, yeah, it's funny. I try and tell people that, too. Like, when we always talk with our judges, you know, one of the things that I do in the, the 10 is I always want comment cards, number one. I think that's a big thing. And it has to be constructive. You know, a couple of years back, we had a comment card. I get so mad. I hunted the judge down, actually. Um, we had a comment card into a team that said, your ribs taste like mothballs. Okay? And, and I hunted that guy down. And I was like, how is that constructive? In what way are you helping? this team get to be better at what they do. How long? And, but how do they taste like mothballs? Well, they taste like mothballs. And I was like, I don't care. You're, you're never going to judge for me again. But how? <laughs> so, like, you know, it was like, it was that kind of thing, but have uh, you ever tasted yeah, so we, so we look for that, but I, I do tell, I do tell the, the judges that though, you know, the barbecue that you taste at a competition, none of it's really bad barbecue. Some of it's better than others, but none of it's bad. Um, you know, these are guys that have put their heart and soul into doing this stuff and they practice and they practice and they put a lot of money in it. None of it's bad barbecue, you know, so how can you give, you know, really bad scores? It's just, you know, maybe some of it's really good, but none of it's really bad. 
That's you know, my take. I I will say that I agree with you 110%. I just cannot eat competition barbecue. Well, I feel like it's just and I understand it. Like I get it. The reason I can't eat it and the uh, I'll explain myself I'll at least give myself a, a fair judgment, right? Uh-huh. It's just too much flavor packed into one bite. And I understand that's totally what you have to do. Like, I get it. But for me, it's like, I want to enjoy the, I want to enjoy half a rack of ribs, not just one. I gotcha. You know what I mean? And right. So, I, that makes sense to me. I, I was, I lost you there for a minute, but no, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. You know what I mean? They, they you pack so many, you have to, right? Cause you don't have, it, it's not like you can give a, a judge a half a rack of ribs and say, okay, you get half a rack of ribs, eat these and tell me what you think of them. And, you know, you, you slow them into that flavor and that flavor builds. And, and, um, you know, by the, by the second rib, they're like, these are, you know, really good. Right. You have to hit them pow, right in the face. Like here's that flavor. Right. And if right. you don't, it's the one, yeah, you lost. the one bite test. Yeah. You know what I mean? And to me, yeah. it's just too much flavor packed into one bite. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think I think you're right. So yeah, I I I, I would agree with that. We tried something here a couple of years back. Oh my, this was before we did the Ironman as a KCBS comp. We were doing it with the Mid Atlantic Barbecue Association. We did it as a MABA competition. And one of the the things that I had heard from judges a lot. Um, this was like six seven years ago. I guess it was seven years ago because it was right before I've been doing the Ironman as a Master Series for six years now. But anyway. Um, Right before that, uh, we had been hearing from judges how everybody was saucing their stuff too much and how they, they, they wanted to taste the meat. They wanted to taste the flavor of the meat and how it was cooked, and they didn't necessarily want to taste the sauce. And so we did a barbecue competition, and any of the teams that were there that are listening to this right now are just shaking their heads. So we did the competition. We did the Ironman, okay, and, and uh, back then it was called the Go Naked. And we told the teams that they were not allowed to use sauce, that they had to make everything with using just rubs um, and, and technique and, and, and whatnot, um, but they couldn't use sauce on their product, on their turn-ins, all right? And I thought that it was going to be just, just, you know, it was one of those drunk ideas. It was just genius. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the judges... You know, so we went into the judging tent and I told them all, I said, look, you know, last year and for this past year, I've been hearing all these judges saying that, you know, everything is way too sauced and they want to taste the meat and they want to do this and da, 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 da. And here, this is what we've done for you guys. No sauce at this competition. And the judges were like, yeah, this is going to be fantastic. And they massacred the teams. The scores could not have been lower. It was horrendous. Was it? And, like, did um, they kill them on appearance? No, they killed them on flavor. Believe it or not, they massacred them on flavor, on taste. Why? Because it didn't have sauce. And everybody is trained now, the judges, the teams, and everybody has trained the judges to look for a certain flavor profile that includes sauce. And so when they had no sauce, then they were tasting the meat. And I guess they didn't like the meat. I don't know. But they massacred them. I went back in the judges' tent. I was so mad. And um, actually, if there are any judges that were listening to this, they heard me say it. And I mean, I went into the judges' tent and I'm like, I can't believe you people. You know, we did this for you and you guys massacred these teams. And they did. The scores were so low. Um, I don't remember what won the competition, but I want to say 
man, it was like on average, they were like one fifties and one sixties. I mean, shit. it was, Oh, it was horrible. So yeah, that, I it mean, that is, that is low. If, yeah, if you it can't explain it to wasn't us, good for, for anyone that's never done an Ironman or, or hasn't listened to me talk about it. Uh, can you explain what that entails and why that's different from a, from a traditional barbecue competition? Sure. So, so at a traditional barbecue competition, number one, you can use any kind of electronic controls that are out there. Um, and I'm not against them, but you can use barbecue gurus, flame bosses, whatever, um, in order to control your fire, control your charcoal and wood fire. You can use a pellet cooker if you want to in a competition, um, as long as it cooks over a wood fire. But you can have any kind of electronic control on there in order to control it and whatnot. And when he says um, pellet cooker and wood fire, he uses that term very u- loosely. <laughs> now be nice I, I, that, uh, that is me being nice <laughs> and so the uh um so anyhow so yeah so you can use any kind of electronic control and also at a barbecue competition you can cook as much of any particular type of meat that you want so like when i used to compete we would do three pork butts normally six racks two brisket and then about 20 to 25 pieces of chicken um, that then we would pick the best out of in order to get our six pieces for the turn in box. Yep. Okay. And so, you know, it was, so, so you can do that. Now we changed a little bit and it started out as the go, what we called the go naked barbecue show. Okay. And go naked started out because in the first year of Pitmaster, okay, there was an episode where one of the Pitmasters that was showcased on the show couldn't control their pits without a barbecue guru and kind of lost it. All right. And, and it was just, it was as a barbecue guy, it was incredibly embarrassing to me that, that a pit master on television couldn't control their pit without a guru system. Yep. Okay. And I love gurus. Bob Trudnack's a great guy. Shotgun Fred was a genius. Okay. Um, but, but they, it, it's sad that you're a pit master and you can't control your own pit without an electronic control. So we initially started out with, the Go Naked Barbecue Show, you couldn't use anything electronic on your pit whatsoever. Yeah, no plug Okay, so no gurus, no pellet cookers, nothing. You had to you charcoal and your, your cooker. And that evolved then a few years later to the point where we were like, all right, so if you call yourself a pit master, not only should you not use electronics, you should come into a competition and you should be able to cook one brisket, one pork butt, one rack of ribs, and seven pieces of chicken and and out of that meat that you've cooked then have enough for your turn in and so that's what we do now so the iron man barbecue competition and it is completely voluntary they won't let me do a master series unless it's completely voluntary and it is now there are cash incentives for doing the iron man you make a lot more money at the end the prize money's a lot better and actually the entry fees less um if you a volunteer completely volunteer to go iron man so um, so when you go Iron Man, then no electronic controls, no pellet cookers, um, no electric knives to cut to cut brisket, uh, no stay in meat thermometers, only only uh, instant probes, um, stuff like that. And then um, you cook one brisket, one pork butt, one rack of ribs, and seven pieces of chicken. So only, only seven pieces. That, of, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say the only thing that I find hard is, is the ribs. Um, the reason being is they, they do score for straight ribs and they everyone wants those straight ribs and it, it's hard to get six straight ribs out of a rack of ribs. Oh, you really have to know your meat. 
I yeah. mean, you really have to choose it. And it's hard to, to, to see it sometimes when the, the meat's not cooked, whether or not. And you're right. Some of the rib boxes, but it's really funny because some of the rib boxes, I mean, they're really funky. but you figure that if everybody's doing it, okay, if all 48 teams or all 60 teams, okay, everybody's doing that same thing. Everybody has the same problem, which puts everybody on the same playing field. Yep. Okay. And that was kind of the idea behind the competition. Like every year we have six or seven teams that come into the comp that it's their very first competition because we only charge $200 to get in. You don't have five, $600 worth of meat costs to get in. We keep all the costs down. And because it doesn't matter what kind of pit you're cooking on, because you're not controlling it with any kind of electronic control and stuff like that, then, then the guy, you know, on an ugly drum smoker or, you know, the guy on a backyard unit that he built has just as good of a chance to win as somebody else. Now I say that, you know, it hasn't proven itself out that way every time, but we've had a lot of, you know, first timers that have been in the top 10, you know, and, and stuff like that, that have done very well because it puts everybody to a certain degree on the same playing field. Absolutely. And that's what I love. That's what I really do love about that competition. Uh, I remember it, shit, it was probably six or seven years ago when you guys first started, when I first heard about that competition, I was like, that is a barbecue competition. Yeah. It's hard. I'm like, it's that's fun. what it is. I'm like, that's a true barbecue competition because it's like you know if you can't you know if you can't hit that flavor profile or if you need to cook this many briskets or that many whatever to really get those six slices man come on work with me here right but that but you know it's it's something because um what was it there was a video that i was watching um earlier this year where the number one team in pork, in pork points, they, they did a video and they showed how they did their turn-in box. And I think they cooked six butts in order to get tube meat and in order to get their slices. And this, and I was like, holy cow. But I think that, that they would look at my competition and go, well, you know, that's cute that you want to do that. But, you know, for us, you know, we're we're in it to put out this perfect box and to do this in order to do that. This is our process and this is how we do it. And I get that. Okay. I'm just sitting there saying, okay, let's everybody play on the same playing field and let's see how it all turns out. Because it's, especially to win grand champion, to win GC there in particular, because one category, I mean, you could be like, you know, you know, first in ribs and, and eighth in, in, in brisket. And then, you know, third in, in chicken and then completely, you know, tank on pork because your pork butt was really fatty and had a lot of gristle in it or something or, you know, something bad happened, you know, yeah. like with your ribs, your ribs, your bones were all like waka waka. And so, you know, and that completely throws you out and there goes RG, you know, there goes GC out the window yeah, uh, because of one meat category. So, yeah. It, yeah. It's rough that way. You know what I mean? It really is. People have a lot of like we have a really good time with it. It's a lot of fun. Like we have the seven club now where guys step out and they put all seven because we always had seven pieces of chicken. So that way you can taste one because you should yeah. always taste what you're doing before you put it in the box. And so now guys will step out with their box and their box will be open and they'll take their seventh piece of chicken. And everybody will hold it up and they'll put their seventh piece of chicken in the box, close it up and then walk in to turn it in. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I think it's really funny. I think it's great. 
you and you, you are right. You know that that's the cool thing about you guys doing seven pieces of chicken because then you can at least taste one and be like, okay, yeah, the flavor profile today was on. Because you, unfortunately, I mean, like, yes, as we cook barbecue, most of us kind of, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily taste all of my barbecue, but I taste a little bit. You know what I mean? I'll pull a little bit of brisket off. I'll, um, I'll, I'll pull a little bit of the pulled pork. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I've cooked so many damn butts now that it's just. I, I can kind of tell if they're moist off the, you know, off visual. Right. At this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and when you're pulling it, you kind of feel it in your hands. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. A lot of you yeah, you know, know what I'm oh, yeah, about. you know if it's there, right. If, Barbecue's if it, a feel as much as anything else. Absolutely. If you put your hands into that pork shoulder and it just just doesn't want to come apart, you're like, oh, this is not going <laughs> to, no, this isn't, this isn't going to be a good one. <laughs> exactly. It's a bad, it's a bad idea. Yeah. Or if your knife doesn't want to, doesn't just want to go through that brisket like butter, then it's like, yeah, uh, maybe I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. 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 You got to taste it. You got to know what you're putting in your box. But I think that takes a lot of, a lot of pride then that when they put that seventh piece in there and stuff, again, I think it's really funny and they, they have a really good time with it. I think it's awesome. I just think it's very, I think it's such a cool, that's what I love about barbecue guys and love about barbecue competition or not barbecue competition, but barbecue people in general, um, is they always have fun and it becomes a family thing. And, um, I'm sure there's numerous guys that do your competition year after year after year after year. And the cool thing about that is like, Hey, you know, we're buddies. We were competing against each other. And yes, I want to beat you just as much as you want to beat me, but how do I help you in case you need it? Right. And that's one of the cool things about about competition barbecue, you know, and and one of the reasons I became an organizer. I mean, I missed it. Um, You know, when we opened up the store, uh, my first store in Greencastle 10 years ago, you know, that was one of the first things that we wanted to do was put together a a competition just because I missed being around that. And and I miss seeing the people and 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 hanging out around it. And um, so. We went ahead and put our, our first competition together. It was called Smoketoberfest. Um, and uh, it was it was horrible. It was in October. It sleeted the entire day. But it was a great turnout. I mean, we had 56 teams, I think, in the first one ever. And uh, it was at a campground. But it was just the weather could not have been worse. The, you know, everybody keeps talking about how the animals were lining up two by two to get on the ark. And I mean, <laughs> to this day, it's a running joke that yeah, my competitions, they always rains and it always goes back to that Smoketoberfest. Um, but, uh, but that's why I missed it is just because I think the people are fantastic. You know, if you get away from the politics of it all and, and you just get down to barbecue, you know, even just doing potlucks on Friday night and people hanging out and doing the potluck and, and chatting to each other and, and talking and, you know, and you're trying to help out the new teams and the old teams and everybody kind of gets together and it's just a lot of fun. I, if you're not in it for the community, get out of it. Yeah. You know, and I really feel that way. I agree with you. Um, I'm a, I'm a strong believer in that. Um, you know, the, the community that the, the barbecue community is really like none other. It is, it is second to none. Um, it's just so amazing. And I, I tell so many people like that, so many people that, um, the restaurant industry is, it can be close to it, but it's not the same. Um, you know, it, it's, guys that cook barbecue 
A, there's something fully wrong with us. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's the same funny. thing as chefs. You know, you, you got There's got to be something a little off. Something's got to yeah. be a little messed up with you if you want to cook barbecue. Um, and the you know people are like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean there's something wrong with you? It's like, dude, I wake up at like two in the morning. It's bitter cold outside, and I'm going outside to start a fire. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Oh, yeah. Especially you in Chicago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. The other week, it was it was cold. And I was talking to one of my buddies. And I'm like, man, this morning was a cold one. And he's like, what was it? I'm like, it was like it was like seven degrees in at I was out. I was out there at 320 starting my fire so that my my uh, my smoker could be going by four. Um, uh-huh. And it was just bitter cold. Just bitter, bitter cold. Like, I mean, the torch barely wanted to work. Um, You know, the wood was taking longer to catch fire because we store it outside, so it's cold. Yeah. Um, we don't really have a choice on where we're storing it. Um, We just don't – we don't have, we don't have the indoor facility to store it in. So, um, <clears throat> you know, just super bitter cold and – um. It was like kind of brutal, and I cook on a Myron Mixon H two O water smoker. Okay, and uh, so you gotta you gotta add water to that baby. Oh yeah, and my hose kind of snagged up a little bit, wasn't working, so I had to kind of un it. I have it. I have a quick release on it, and I had to release it, and there was still pressure on it, so I got sprayed with ice cold water <laughs> in the face, and I'm like, man, I'm like, who the fuck wants to do this shit? <laughs> And then guess what? I got up and did it all over the next day. That's <laughs> exactly funny. Day, right? That is like, too funny. It's like, man, it was still a great cook, though. But it well, was, yeah. It was brutal cold. Just, <laughs> just brutal cold. And you know, you know that... it's bad when you, like, look at your temperature gauges and they're frosted over. Yeah. And What's, what's really funny is there are a lot of guys, I'm sure, right now listening to this broadcast just going, uh-huh. Been there. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Man, <laughs> the winter, like every winter I just tell myself, dude, I'm going to move. <laughs> I never fucking leave. That is so funny. You know, although I got to tell you, we see more and more of that, even with just the layman. Um, you know, back in the day when uh, um, when I started the store 10 years ago, you know, in the wintertime, we were death on a stick. I mean, there was there was nobody in the store. Um, like right right now, even we operate on Fridays as we do at my Greencastle store. We operate on Fridays as a barbecue restaurant. We do, we're a licensed restaurant in the state of Pennsylvania. And, um, so we do Friday lunches, we call them. And so we do lunches from 1030 until we sell out normally around 1230 or so we'll sell out. Um, we do brisket and pork, and then we normally have a special. Um, but what that all started because back when I first opened up the, the store, there was absolutely nothing to do in the winter months. I mean, we were all kind of, you know, looking at each other. So my manager and I, Mark, he'd be like, well, what are you cooking this week? And I'm like, all right, I'll cook lunch on Friday. And so we started cooking lunch for each other on Friday. He'd do one week, I'd do the other week. And, uh, and we had nothing better to do. There wasn't anybody coming in the store. And that eventually evolved into customers coming in saying, what are you guys doing? We're like, oh, we're cooking lunch. Oh, well, well, come on over here and sit down. Let's have some lunch. And to going to, oh, hey, this weekend, there's a party. You guys, you interested in cooking some pork? And we're like, yeah, we'll cook some pork for you. And so we'd cook some pork up and this and that. But now 
now that Friday lunches have really taken off and we've kind of gotten into this whole restaurant mode now for the past three or four years with Friday lunches, we're busy enough still in the wintertime now, the business and people cooking in the wintertime has built up to the point where there are some weeks where we just, we really don't have time to do Friday lunches. I mean, we can't not do it because we're doing about 170 to 200 lunches every Friday now to, great, you yeah. know, to go great, just yeah. for lunch. But nevertheless, we have, you know, one of the things is, you know, uh, uh, Shauna, the girl out front, she'll come back and she'll pull me off and she'll be like, hey, uh, you know, there's a guy out here who wants to buy a grill. We need somebody to talk to him. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where we have enough, you know, business now in the wintertime that we wouldn't even have to do Friday lunches. So you see a lot more people now that are cooking all year long outside. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's a great thing. It's really cool. It, it's very cool. And um, one of the things that we kind of started um, a couple of years ago, uh, me and a, a buddy of mine, my buddy Paul, he works for uh, Dave's Ace up in uh, Milton, Wisconsin. Um, shout out to to Paul. He's a great dude. Um, he's the big blue egg on Instagram, if you guys have ever checked him out. Um, and we kind of started this thing and we're going to, we, we did one and we had really good success with it. And then we kind of you know, of course, you know, the next year we kind of fumbled and schedules got in the way and we didn't, we didn't pull it together, but we're doing it again this year is, uh, we started a polar barbecue. Uh, yeah. And so we, we did, we're going to do it again this year. Um, I don't, I, it, the date is sometime in February. I believe it's the, it's one of the weekends. It's either the, I think it's the weekend right after the Super Bowl, right before, um, uh, Valentine's day. And, um, we're going to, we're going to do another polar barbecue up at his store. But the first one, man, we were like, hope it's cold enough out. Like we were joking. Yeah. He like, he got up like that day we got up and it was, I mean, it was like four degrees outside (laughs) and we were like, well, we wanted a fucking polar barbecue. We got it. Like, yeah. And, and I've seen pictures have... of that before where, you know, they're, they have the tents up on the ice and yep. and in the snow. And I mean, it's just like, holy crapola. Yeah, we had a we had such a great time, man. We <laughs> we had such an amazing time. We were cooking at the store. Um, we had, you know, big green eggs lined up because he's a big green egg dealer. So we kind of like, you know, pushed that. But oh, yeah. people came out, had a good time. Dudes came out to cook. And they were all like, man, this is so much fun. Like, even the guys cooking were like, man, it's freezing. And it's just <laughs> so much fun. You know what I mean? Like, we were just having so much fun. That's and pretty cool. I can't wait for it this year. I really can't. Because now it's kind of like, it's kind of like an egg fest in that sense where, you know, kind of people cook whatever they want. Um, oh, yeah. And it's kind of like now just hitting your head, not hitting your head, but like you're, you're, you're scratching your head going, what am I going to cook? What am I going to cook? What am I going to cook? That's going to be awesome for a polar barbecue. You know what I mean? That's going to hit the spot when it's freezing cold. Oh my, that's too funny. So much more power, more power to you, man. That's yeah. Like I said, I've seen pictures and it it looks like either dumb or (laughs) no, you're not dumb. You're hardcore. Damn it. Stupidity is a beautiful game. Let me tell you. <laughs> that's funny. So that's pretty cool. So, hey, let me ask you this. So I'm a barbecue store. I got two locations. 
Yep. All right. Right now we sell we sell Meadow Creek stuff. We sell backwoods. Uh, we sell Weber. I sell eggs. I sell uh, Green Mountain pellet cookers. Um, we sell two seventy smokers. I'm looking for another smoker line to bring in this year. Okay. Um, what should I bring into the store? We talked about bringing in Holland grills. Um, I've talked about bringing in another Yoder Yoder uh, pellet cookers possibly. Um, I'm not sure what else to, I, I don't know what, what else is out there that I don't, that I, I don't know about that, that, that would be interesting to bring in, in your opinion. Um, do, I don't know if, does, does Lane, do Lane's do, or Lane's, do, I don't they, even, do, do they do? Wholesale? Oh, Lang? Well, see, but we sell, but we sell Meadow Creeks. Okay. And so they sell Meadow Creeks, so that's similar. Yeah. So we sell Meadow um, Creeks. So they, they sell, they do the big offsets. Have you guys thought about bringing in the mix in H2O's? You know, I, I've got a couple guys here locally, actually, that have just that have that have brought them in and have started cooking on them. Um, I I haven't really. We've looked at the uh, the gravity feds, the Vulcans. Okay. Yeah, those things um, are awesome. And, and that line. And that's been a hit or miss proposition. Um, but I need something. What we need is something that we can sell to 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 backyard guys. OK, okay. Um, you know, guys doing it at their house. And you know, bring in the competition part of it as well. Dude, so I'm kind of looking for that that middle that ground somewhere feed, along the way. I think that gravity feed is awesome though, because it's you think? not. I I do because it's not super intense. You know what I mean? It's not like it's a stick burner that you really have to baby. You know right. what I mean? Do you guys have drum smokers? We don't. We looked at. We brought in the gateway drums for a little bit. Um, it, we just we couldn't sell them against the internet. Um, you know, it was kind makes of sense. one of those. What's that? That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It just it it was one of those things. Like you know, we brought in. Um, I, I'm sure you know what an uni pizza oven is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love the unis. I think they're I think they're phenomenal. They're a lot of fun. People enjoy them. Stuff like that. Yeah. But it made absolutely no sense to sell them. Because as soon as we brought them in and, and we showed people what they did and did demonstrations, and they would go home and they'd look them up online and stuff like that, say, "Oh, look, I can buy it right here online," and they they buy it, and uh, it was it was ridiculous. So we kind of got out of that business a little bit. But with the drum smokers, yeah, we looked uh, we did gate we we looked at the gateway, and then oh, there was the other one, the one with the little horseshoe on it. Um, uh, the re- um, yeah, you know which one I'm talking barrels? about. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And um, I didn't think they were big enough. The other thing I don't get about those to a certain degree, too, uh, I've cooked on one once, um, is is how is it different than a Weber Smoky Mountain? It's, uh, it's a difficult question to uh, – I have both. Um, so I just got an Oklahoma Joe. Um, okay. And theirs is a, a little bit different than like uh, – than a pit barrel or or than like a, a traditional ugly drum. There's more a little bit more polished, a little bit more manufactured, right? Um, okay. And the real difference is there's no water pan. Well, right. So take the water <laughs> pan out. Take the water pan out or put uh put foil into your into your water pan on your Weber Smoky Mountain and okay. and there's really no difference. <laughs> like, honestly, there's really not that much of a difference. I mean, the 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 Oklahoma Joe has holes in the in the uh, 
like in the um grate on the bottom. Right. In the sense right. that it'll let it drip through, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean that's a little bit different. Um and I guess because you can you can hang it off racks. Uh right. you know, you'd have to get you'd have to get uh hooks for your, your Weber. That would be right, like, right. Which you could do, yeah. Which you could do, but that that's my. I mean, there's not much of a difference. I mean, I think I know. I, you know, and I don't. Is, I, and and look at the price difference. Oh, it's huge. So, and so think, you know, from a retail, so from a retail aspect of it, it's it's a that's a hard sale for me. I get. Um, and I know that people love their 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 drums. I know you know guys swear by their gateways and and you know by their pit barrels and stuff like that. And, yeah. and I get it. I mean, because you fall in love with a cooker and and you know and they they swear by them. And actually, uh, locally, there's a guy that just got one of those Oklahoma Joes too, and he loves it too. He says it's the best one yet. And um, but uh, they're going to start selling those to big box stores, I think. So we won't. They, we won't they are, that yeah. Now. They're they're. That's why I kind of didn't. Uh, they're they're selling in big box stores here, and yeah. um, I figured you guys don't really want to carry something that's in a big box store because you're going to lose. Um, well, right. That's the hardest thing. You know what I mean? Like that's when you're when you're an independent retailer and you're going up against a big box store, you your credit card declines way faster than theirs does. So <laughs> well, right. Well, right. Oh, no, ab- absolutely. I mean, that's like even with the Weber stuff, we only carry. Like like twenty six inch Weber kettles. I won't carry the the regular Weber kettle because most of the big box stores won't carry a twenty six inch Weber. Yeah. You know we do the we do the fourteen inch uh, bullet. We do the eighteen inch bullet and the twenty two inch bullet. Um, but those because when we teach we do these things called barbecue boot camps and we teach classes. Yeah. Awesome. And when we teach our classes when we teach our classes and stuff. We cook on that that stuff as well, and then we carry, of course, the the Weber uh, charcoal summit we have as well. I think um, that is one of know, the most. So it's, it's different stuff. I think that Weber's charcoal summit is one of the most underrated cookers on the market. I think that Weber dropped the ball on it. Uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, big time. And Weber knows how I feel, guys. So don't 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 be shocked that I'm saying this live. Or that you know, in a in a public forum, I've told Weber how I feel about it. That they've dropped the ball. That that cooker outperforms almost every other cooker that they've ever put on the market. It really does. Yeah. The amount that you it's can the best do, kept. It's the best kept Weber secret ever. Oh my God! Yeah, and like, why why are they keeping it? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know because they, they their big push was on social media, and it was a huge failure. As far as their marketing went, and you are so right, it is one of the best cookers ever built. We thought when we first got it that it was going to be a, a, a joke to a certain degree. I mean, I didn't really believe that it would be very well insulated and and all that, you know, because it's just an air insulation and, and stuff. And again, we use it in our, our boot camp. So we use it as a, as a demonstration tool. Yeah. And it's unbelievable. I mean, one of the coolest things about it is it can be running at 250 degrees. And I'm telling you now. You can go up and lay your hand on it and hold your hand on it for 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would never know that that thing was hot. It just it's ridiculous. We did. um, Plus, the fact that you can use briquettes in it, okay, um, as opposed to to using lump like in an egg. Those briquettes, we've gone 26 hours at 250 degrees um, on a on a Weber charcoal summit uh, with uh, uh, 11 pounds of briquettes, I think it was. Um, and it was just, it was just unbelievable. And, and yeah, they work, they work phenomenally well. I, I teach, I teach a couple classes and I, I use 
what I do is I do a lot of backyard classes and I don't bring my big rigs out. You know what I mean? I'm not going to bring my mix in. I'm not going to bring cookers that you're not going to have in your backyard. Like, right. Let's be honest. My, my, my mix in is, it's $6,000. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how many yeah, guys are, are right. how many guys come in and they're like, you know what? Yeah. I want a $6,000 cooker. Yeah, not enough. There's a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) There's people out there. They're out there. They really are. But it's like for me to teach a class to 40 people, odds are none of those people have that cooker in their backyard. And I'm I'm a strong believer in – and that's why I think it's cool what you guys do with your barbecue boot camp. Like what you're saying is you're using using those basic cookers. You can apply that principle to anything. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And – so when I do my classes, you know, I use a PK grill, I use a big green egg. So you get the Kamado, you get the, you get the old school PK, you get, um, the Weber Smoky Mountain. So that hits your pit barrels Any anything that's a vertical smoker. Um, right. and then I use the Weber Summit charcoal. Okay. And it's yep. like, dude, you can't tell me that you don't have a cooker in your backyard that is somewhat similar to this. It may not be the same brand, mm-hmm. but it's going to be damn near similar to this. The only thing I don't use is an offset stick burner, like a like a small Oklahoma Joe or something like that. I just don't use those because realistically, in a backyard class, I can't be going and throwing a stick every 15 minutes. Right. Hey, but I got to tell you, if you ever want to do that, assign somebody in your class to do it. And, and, and they'll be happy to do so. I could do Cause that. Cause like yeah. we pick, we pick a guy out and we're like, okay, so who wants to cook on a, and so we always ask that who wants to cook on an offset and you'll get like four or five guys that'll raise their hands. And so you go ahead and you'll fire up the offset and this and that. And then you go and you pick one of them and you're like, you're the guy. Okay. You've got to go ahead and tend that fire and make sure that that thing stays at temperature. So every, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes, you got to throw a stick in there. Yep. <laughs> And that guy is happy as a pig in poop, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, until your fire goes to 400 degrees and he's like, I, I threw three sticks in. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> no, but it, 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 it's awesome. And like that's kind of what I do is I teach those backyard classes and I, I, I try to bring in, bring in fun to do it. And um, it works really, really well. And we have a great time doing it. And I think a lot of those guys that I talk to, especially like one-on-one with them, they're like, dude, thank you so much for having so many different cookers because it wasn't just a a one, you know, a one trick pony kind of type thing. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, I'm going to show you how to cook on the cooker I use. If you don't have that cooker, well, that sucks. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like there's so many classes that are like that. Or being like, oh, dude, here's my $10,000 rig. Um, your cooker was 200 bucks from Home Depot, but I'm going to show you how to make great barbecue using this $10,000 <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, dude, we're not, shoot- we're not shooting baskets to Michael Jordan here. Right. No, I, I completely understand, and I'm with you. Because the idea behind our boot camps is that you take the technique that we show you. Um, well, actually, we don't show you. Like, when you come to a boot camp, like the guys that come to my brisket boot camp, we leave it at 20 people. 
Okay. And guys that come to the brisket boot camp cook a brisket. Everybody there cooks a brisket. It's awesome. Um, we bring in a butcher. You get a sharp knife, a free sharp knife. You get an injector. We do injections, the whole nine yards. Everybody there cooks a brisket. But one of the ideas is, so we cook on pellet cookers. We have about 18 cookers set up. Um, and, you know, well, which is easier because it's right there at the store. Yeah. Um, but, um, so I'm, you know, I'm not taking this show on the road. It's kind of all right there. But, you know, we cook on the Weber's. We cook on like four different um, eggs. We have normally like four or five pellet cookers out there. I've got two or three Meadow Creek offsets. Um, we've got a, a, a couple of G2 chubby uh, backwoods. I got a 270 uh, what they call a Hollywood size, you know, so, so right. More homeowner backyard stuff. Um, and then we've got all the Weber's set up as well. And then, um, you know, we tell people exactly what those, those cookers do and go stand next to what you currently cook on. And invariably they'll all go to one of those types of cookers that they have at their house, because the idea is the, to leave boot camp. And be able to take what we've taught you and duplicate that at your home at some point or another. Exactly. And you're right. If I'm cooking on a, you know, an eight thousand dollar offset barrel smoker, okay, which is my favorite, then no one else is going to have that at their house. They're not going to be able to duplicate what the heck I'm doing. So. And and like you just said, like they're not going to be able to duplicate. Listen, here's the thing: my stick burner will put out different flavor profiles than my egg will. It just mm-hmm. will. You know what I mean? Yep. It, it's just going to do it. They're both barbecue. Yeah. But that, and that's what's really cool. But that's what's really cool about teaching a class like that. I mean, I don't know if you feel that way as well. But for me, one of the coolest things is, is that we can take a piece of meat, okay, and we can inject it and we can put rub on it and we can cook it on a different type of cooker. And I can come up with 20 different flavor profiles for that same meat. And, and at the end of it, we have what we call the free-for-all, where everybody goes and everybody tries everybody else's stuff. Because while maybe you put a lot of love into your brisket, okay, when you were making it and stuff like that, barbecue is a real personal thing. And that flavor fr- profile that we gave you, we said, you're going to use this injection with this rub, um, you know, in this base, and, and then you can cook it on whichever cooker you want to cook it on. But maybe you put a lot of love in it, but the flavor profile isn't, isn't it's not bad, but it doesn't light your fire. But somewhere there within those 20 other guys that are there cooking with you, you're going to taste something that you're going to put in your mouth. And it's going to be like, wow, what is that? What did you do to that? You know, and then to be able to duplicate that every time. And that's a big part of our class is, is getting people to be able to duplicate what we've done at class over and over and over again. And you can change flavor profiles by changing rubs and stuff, but duplicate the process over and over again. Yeah. Like the crazy thing is, so we did a brisket class, right? And what we decided to do is we made a prime, a Wagyu and a choice. How did that come out? Oh, it was fantastic. But we I mean, made, could you really could you really tell that now see that's interesting. So here's what we did though. Um we made them decide which one was which. Blind. Yeah, and oh man. It, it choice crushed it. Really? Crushed. That's fantastic. <laughs> crushed. That is fantastic. Because I have always, I have always wanted to do that, and I have never done that. Because I've always said so that, man, Magu, do do people really know? And and so you're saying that choice crushed it, huh? 
But we, the, what we did is, okay, so they had to decide which one was which. Yeah. And it was, which one is the Wagyu? Which one is the, which one is the, is the choice? And which one is, is, you know, prime. And people got, people thought the prime was the Wagyu. <laughs> people thought the choice was the prime, which they liked the most. Cause then it was like, the other thing was like, which one do you like the most? And then the Wagyu they thought was choice. Isn't that crazy? Because I think a lot, like, and it could have just been the class setting or whatever. I think a lot of these people still have this whole mentality in their head that super fatty meat isn't that good. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, they still have that, like, in their head. Like, if there's too much fat, obviously it probably wasn't that good. Yeah, that it was a, 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 a not as great a cut of meat. Exactly. Yeah. I gotcha. That, I gotta tell you, man, that, I... <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. That's really cool. It was such a cool thing. And like, of course, like we're slicing. So we're, we're slicing this brisket and, uh, I'm like, okay, so here, I'm like, here's my Wagyu <laughs> as I'm slicing through it. Cause it looks like, you know, it looks like butter. It just, it's, it's falling apart. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're slicing up the point and it's just, you, you, you can see the just juices coming, like it's perfect, right? And I'm like, I that that I'm like, there's your wagyu. I'm like, and then here's your here's your choice. Here's your you know here's your this here's your that. I personally, um, if I have if I'm given the choice of what to cook, um, I prefer cooking either upper you know upper ten percent of choice. Uh huh. Or, or prime, like I'm not, I, I don't mind cooking Wagyu, but I, I, I don't know. It's not a huge thing for me. Yeah. It's not a huge, it's, yeah, it's not a huge thing for me either. That's really interesting. And you, and you seasoned them all the same way. You injected them all the same way and you cooked Everything. them all in the same cooker. Yep. That's pretty wild. Well, it was three, it was uh, technically three different cookers cause it was on three different smoky mountains, but it, it was the same cooker and it, it was all same cooking. wood set up the same way. Exactly. Yeah, like, Everything was, yeah. it, you know, it was all the same. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes me happy. Cause right. I'm not a big, I'm not sold. I'm not a big Wagyu guy either. I know all the teams that win, win with Wagyu. But the question is if, if, if all the teams that win suddenly couldn't get Wagyu and they were cooking choice or they were cooking primes, they'd probably go to primes. You know, like Chris Lilly, I think, only cooks primes. I don't think he cooks Wagyu's. You know, so the question is, if they couldn't get Wagyu anymore, would those teams still win without Wagyu? And I would have to say, my guess would be, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because they're still, they're still yeah. pounding in that flavor. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they're still definitely pounding in that flavor, and it, it's going to be good. And I think that a prime brisket just cooks better. And I also don't yeah. mind the way a choice brisket cooks. Like I don't. I don't mind it either. We cook five of them a week. I don't. I don't have a problem with that either. I think I, they cook up fine. I think they cook up perfectly fine. They cook up really, really nicely. If you don't fuck it up, it's still juicy. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? Like, and I cook hot and fast now. Yeah. Yeah. So do we. Yeah. And we cook it. How hot do you go? I go two seventy five, three hundred. Oh, well, that's not that hot. So we're we're normally running three and a quarter to three fifty. Okay, that's yeah, that's that's smoking hot and fast. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, you just got to pay attention to it a little bit more consistent. It, it's got to stay at that temperature, whatever temperature you have it at. Exactly. From what we found. Obviously yeah. you're, you're gonna, you're gonna up that, um, up that temp game too. You know what I mean? You're not going to be pulling at like 203, 204. You're, you're right. going to push it up. And like, that's what I do. I push it up a little bit. Um, I'm pushing to about like 206 to 208 range. Okay. Is when I feel that pro being nice and buttery for me. Right. Um, I, I, I had a guy actually ask me at one of our pop-ups. He was like, man, what do you pull your brisket at? And I'm like, two, I'm like this one was like 207. He's like, oh, I can totally tell. <laughs> yeah, me too. Totally yeah. fucking tell. Yeah. Like, you're so full of shit. It's not yeah, even funny. Pretty much. That's like, funny. He's like, no, you don't understand, dude. I cook a lot of briskets. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. 207. Me, he could tell. Me too. <laughs> you can do it for a living. Cook <laughs> a shit ton of briskets, dude. That's really funny. The funny thing is, so, I cook a shit ton of briskets all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you cook yeah. one in your backyard. Yeah. That's too funny. I, you could tell. Uh, that's like, cracks me you up. Have no yeah, because me with brisket, like that's one of the big things that we tell people about brisket is, but you know, the classes and stuff is that you know it'll be done at different temperatures. It's a feel. You know, you never, you never quite know. Shoot, I'll take brisket. Well, any more doing hot and fast like that? Like you're talking two hundred seven. We normally go two twelve. Okay. And um, but uh, but yeah, you know, cooking cooking hot and fast like that. But you you just got to look at it. You gotta you gotta feel it. It does have to feel right regardless of the temperature because i mean if i'm cooking one that's tiny okay versus cooking you know if i'm cooking a 12 pounder versus an 18 pounder yeah a lot of yeah. times those are done at different temperatures yeah I and mean, there's no two ways about it so yeah it's you got to feel when it's done but those, those yeah, two, 207 i could tell just by looking at it yeah dude, yeah exactly yeah. like okay i'll be like, like yeah thanks la- last weekend actually it was so funny i got two perfect 17 pound briskets they looked identical. They were perfect. They were beautiful. Uh-huh. Right? And I put them on the cooker. And I swear to God, they one was the devil. One was just an angel. Uh, <laughs> one cooked up so nicely. <laughs> and the other one decided that it was going to stall. Uh. And I mean, I had, like, I literally had one of them done. Um... Tempt, pulled into the hot boxes to rest, hang out, yep. and all that. And then the next one, I tempt it, and it's 186. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, a 30 degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a big swing. And I was like, how? Just how? <laughs> and, you know, it, it just. But it, it came it, from an old. It came from an old cat with a bad attitude. Exactly, and it, it wanted to bring it out. But That's it, it. It did. It did come out okay. It, it came. I mean, it came out flavorful. Came out juicy. It was a great. It was a great brisket. Uh, but it just stalled forever on me. Yeah. And yeah. it is what it is. You, you know, you you can't you can't force it. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. Like. It's, well, it, you just had to get it to two hundred seven. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just yeah. You know, call it a day. <laughs> That's funny. Just call but, it well, so what do you think? So wait a minute. So let's get back to the original question I had. So what should I be bringing in? Such a difficult question. Oh, I feel like. You, I mean, we talked got, about deep souths, but again, do you have you know, the Kamado? Deep... You have a Kamado, right? 
Yeah, we saw eggs. I'm a okay. big egg guy. You're a big yeah. egg. Okay, okay. So Kamados are covered there. Um, yeah. Are you looking for a smoker or more of an all-around cooker? Well, I don't know. You know, we, we talked about PKs. The problem I have with those, because you brought that up a couple times. The problem I have with PKs, again, is that, that you can buy them online. Yeah. Um, you know, you can just, yep, here you go. And most of the guys that are buying those are, are you know, SCA guys. Yep. And then they're buying them whether I've got them or not. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, it's just, it's it's kind of one of those deals. So we'll probably, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shying away from those. I've been looking at the Yoder pellet cookers. I think they're going to be okay. No, you um, do know, you, obviously, you know, Weber's putting out their pellet cooker. Are you guys going to be bringing that line in? Well, we're going to bring in a, a, a couple of them as a Weber dealer, particularly with what we do. I think we're going to bring it in just to kind of take a look at it. We'll be tentative with it at first, you know, probably bring in three or four of each model, the two models that they're going to have just to kind of figure it out and play with it. I know it's going to be a shock. I actually have cooked on that pellet cooker. Okay. Uh, So how bad, how bad were the flare ups on that pellet cooker? (laughs) (laughs) Really? So they were that good, were they? Nice. Yeah. They it, it so what they did is they used the flavor bars, right? I know they did. I've I've seen the videos. I know. So there will be flare-ups if you don't clean that cooker up. Can you smoke on it? Did you did what did you cook on it? They cooked briskets on it. And the brisket it wasn't bad. It was a good brisket. But I mean you didn't have to flip it. You didn't have to do anything. Did it create a convection inside the chamber? Yes. Um, there wasn't hot spots because of the fact that there were flavorizer bars in there. I I didn't cook the brisket. So what we got to do is we got to cook some other stuff on it. Um, but the briskets came out okay. Um, we got to do some steaks. They did they did some uh, they did some pork belly burn ends, which came out. A, a little dry, uh, but I think it's just the way that they cooked them. They they cut them up a little too small for for my liking. I I need that pork belly to be a little bit bigger, um, right? Which is the way that I do them. But um, they the the cooker as a whole, I think it, it was it's put together very very well. It's a very I don't know, cooker. Mikey. You're stuttering an awful lot there, man. <laughs> I'm not a pellet guy, though. Remember that. You're, I'm not a pellet stu- guy. You're stuttering an awful lot there, Cheese. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a pellet guy, so it's hard for me to talk about pellets. But I, I think it's I, I think it's put together very very well. Um, I think I think it's going to it's going to change the market a little bit. Um, How so? It, I think it's going to. I think Traeger's in, in a little bit of trouble. Ah, I'd be surprised at that because I have to tell you, so we sell Green Mountain Grills. I sell about five or six hundred of them a year. Yeah, we're the we're one of the biggest in the we're the biggest in the mid-Atlantic from from what I know. One of the biggest on the eastern seaboard. But um, and we sell a pile of them. And and and, you know, kind of and I we sold Traegers for about a year and then we stopped selling them. We weren't happy with their customer service, with how they they handled warranty and this and that as a retailer. Weber has great warranties. Well, they do. Okay. And that, that's a good thing, but, but I don't, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I think they, they're, they're expensive. Weber always is the premium and they're, they, they charge for it. There's no two ways about it. Um, I just, that's in, I would have loved for you to have cooked the pork butt 
and, and in particular because of the amount of fat that comes off a pork butt yep. or tried to smoke a turkey or smoke a chicken on that with the grease that comes off of there just to see yeah. what would happen with that because yeah i've seen that and i saw the the guys were cooking steaks which is phenomenal because you can't cook steaks on any real without grill grates in particular you can't i mean even on a green mountain as much as i love them you know they're not a, a exactly a steak friendly cooker unless you have grill grates on it in which case you know that kind of makes up for it um but i saw on the weber how you have you know their flare-ups and when you're cooking steaks on there and you know the flames are coming through that's phenomenal for grilling yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but what's that do for you when you're smoking? So the, the, the auger and like the, the firebox is so protected that I think you'll be okay. Okay. I think you'll be okay. You got to clean, you got to <laughs> clean it out though. All right. I want to video you. I want to video you with one of those cooking a pork butt. Oh, that's going to be a hard video to get. <laughs> Well, all you got to do is stand next to it and hope it doesn't catch fire. Yeah, but you mean you got to cook on a pellet cooker? Oh my skin's oh, starting to itch on. already. Those oh. are the big. Those are the big sellers here at Christmas, man. Oh, We're I know they are. But they're outdoor crockpots. You know, we used to Christmas season. We used to sell like fifty to seventy-five eggs in the month of December. Um, and now we're doing, you know, 150 pellet cookers, um, see, and, and maybe like 30 cookers, eggs. Well, my, my thing with pellet cookers is I don't think I can get the flavor out of the pellet that I want. Oh, it's not the same. It's not <laughs> even close, but for a backyard guy, you know, you're getting yeah. uh, the, the ease of doing it and, yeah, and an to get you started. But, you know, it's really interesting too, though, you know, in the, cause we've been, you know, we've been selling pellet cookers now for about eight years, nine years. And one of the things that we've seen is that guys that start out, a lot of guys will start out with an electric smoker, which just beat yeah. my head against the wall. I don't even sell electric smokers because I just, I can't, I can't do it. But, but, um, and then they'll go from an electric smoker to a pellet cooker. And then they'll go from a pellet cooker to an egg or they'll go to an offset. Um, but we've really seen that transition of people that have really gotten into it off of their pellet cooker and then looking for more art in what they're doing and looking for more flavor in what they're getting. And so it's, it's been interesting to see that happen. Okay. Where people, you know, they'll, they'll still do some stuff on their pellet cooker, but they're like, well, you know, I can get, I know I can get a lot more flavor out of my brisket if I do this over wooden charcoal, you know? So show me an egg, show me what you have, show me the Weber charcoal summit, you know, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and let's go to that. But it's really interesting that, you know, we've seen that progression with some of our customers that have gone through and started out on a pellet cooker. But if it wouldn't have been for that pellet cooker, they'd have never started doing it. Yeah, it's a good gateway drug. I just, and yeah, you know, <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, yeah, it's like marijuana to a heroin guy. No, yeah, but it's, it's a, a good yeah. gateway drug. It's fucking great. Um, my only problem is the dudes that the, the dudes that walk around and call themselves fucking pitmasters, and I'm like, dude, you can't control a fire to save your fucking life. <laughs> Come on, you can't be a snob about it. Otherwise, you're gonna put everybody out. <laughs> Oh no, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm being a little bit of a snob, but not not a whole snob. Call yourself a purist. I'm just a purist. Sometimes. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's too funny. You know but I mean, I don't disagree with you. I, I mean, when I competed, we competed on an offset. 
And, uh, you know, and that's still my baby. I have a hundred a TS120 Meadow Creek that, oh, beautiful. that you know, beautiful. that I still have. So, but, um, but yeah, but anyway, that's, uh, that's too funny though. But yeah, it is. It's a gateway drug. I mean, it's a good introduction to let's get away from gas and let's get into something else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm okay with it. I can, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've become, I'm becoming more and more tolerable as a human to them. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. <laughs> but you do know the difference. You can, especially you know, I, if you're yeah. a barbecue guy, you'll know whether or not something was cooked on a pellet cooker. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just, just the flavor's not, it's just not there. Right. To me. Now, the Yoder pellets, that's a, that's a really pretty cooker. Don't get me wrong. Um, that thing is beautiful. Have you looked at M grills? No, I didn't even, what's that? So they are out of Texas, if I'm correct. Um, I'm going to look it up really fast. Um, so it's, if you go on, if you go on Instagram, it's M grills underscore Texas. Um, and they're making some cool little cook. They're making some cool cookers. N is in Nancy or M is in man. M as in man. Okay. M grills. All right. They're making some, they're making some cool cookers. Now, um, I don't know what their, you know, retail thing is at all. Um, like, you know, as far as getting it into retail stores and all that, but like, um, they make some really cool grills. Like they make the, uh, they make this badass portable grill. It's the C4S. Um, it, it's just one of, it's one of the coolest looking little cookers around. And I believe they made it for, um, like they made they they made it for SCA guys in a sense to kind of compete with that PK. Um, okay. But it's smaller. I mean, the thing looks like a goddamn briefcase. You know what I mean? Like it's tiny. Okay. But it's super cool. And then they have, they have a, a, a bigger version, which is the M16. And I believe they have two different versions of that size wise. And that, that's kind of like your, your, almost like your, your Weber, Weber charcoal, charcoal grill, but it's put together way nicer. The fabrication is, or not way nicer. I shouldn't say it that way because Weber's are put together nicely, but the fabrication is a little bit different. Um, the, the shape is different. Uh, it, it, it's really a sleek grill. It really is. It's really, really pretty. Um, and it, it hits those charcoal guys. They, they, they do a really good job. Like I said, they're out of Texas. They're American made, which I think is really cool. Um, that's yeah. why I'm a big fan of, of a lot of cookers that are American made because I, I enjoy that people keep the craft here. Uh, but yeah, right. maybe, maybe M grills would be a good one. That's an inter- That's interesting. I wrote that down. I'll take a look at that. Take a look at those. Because I've never even heard of those. They make some. Pre- they make some nice cookers. They make, you know, they they make some pretty cool things. Like they make um, they make one cooker where you can kind of uh, adjust the charcoal where it's almost kind of like a stick burner, but it's not. Um, it has you know it has a big charcoal uh, cook space in it. You can kind of adjust the grade on if you want to go higher or lower. Um, it's, they, they make some really cool grills. Cool. I would look at that. A, I'll take a look at that. That's a, that's, that, I think that's going to be, that's, that's my answer. I think you should look at M grills. All right. That's, I'll do that. Very see, cool. It just took a while for me to get, get, get my head around <laughs> it. 
you know, everything takes a while with me sometimes. No, it's all right. <laughs> and I, I will say that it's um, uh, it, it's one of those things that there's so many cookers out there, so it's hard to uh, say like which one's the next best one, right? Well, they are, and they run, you know, and it runs hot and cold to a certain degree. Um, you know, like, you know, years ago, Backwood Smoker, when we first started 10 years ago, you know, they were 16 weeks out and you couldn't get one, which is one of the reasons why we started bringing them in is yeah. because if you wanted to buy one, we had it in stock. And yeah. so, you know, it was fantastic. Us and Mark Lambert and uh, Big Pop out there on the West Coast. I mean, we were the only three that ever that, that had them. You could get them, you can get them from us at any time. And, uh, you know, if you ordered it straight from Backwood, you were 16 weeks out and then. You know, other stuff got hot there for a while. Two seventies in the Mid Atlantic were, you know, were really hot there for a while. And then uh, right now, ugly drum smokers and jambos. Uh, we yeah. see uh, yeah. deep Souths, you know, have gotten have gotten pretty exciting. Stumps there for a little while were uh, were something interesting to look at. And that, I mean, that's the hard part, right? It's it's almost like the um, trying to figure out what the next thing, what's the next thing that's going to bite. Um, and it, it depends on your region, also. Right, uh, and it's crazy how much that really depends on it. Is like two seventies really? They were only really big on the East Coast. Yeah, they, I mean it was a, a smaller distribution, but they were really hot and heavy here for a while. No, they're yeah, absolutely. Cook. I mean they're a decent cooker. It's a it's an interesting design, and and we do fairly well with it. Um, you know, and they they last for a while. And I they can they get to really the higher cool. temperatures. You know, so. Have you cooked on one? I've never gotten to cook on one because no one around here carries any of them. Okay. So you know what I mean? Like that, they're two seventies a desert out here. Yeah. Because nobody. So what does everybody? Them. What's what's everybody? What's hot and what's hot and heavy out? You know, there in the Midwest. You know, Weber's always have a, has a stronghold, uh, just because obviously they're here. Um. Big green eggs have a, a pretty good, uh, you know, Kamado style cookers are, are very heavy here because of winters. Mm -hmm. um, that Kamado style holds that temp so nicely in the cold weather that people like it. Right. It, it's, it's a big, you know, a big thing for, for temperature wise. Right. Um, PK never really got huge out here. Um, oh, really? Even the I mean, I mean, even with the steak guys, huh? The steak guys, all the steak guys carry it. Yeah, but none. Your bet, your average backyard dude has no idea what it is. Has no idea what it is, and and then you, yeah. you know your drums, and then drums are big. I think drums, drums are, just are big, big everywhere. Yeah, I know. I I you know going back to that, I I God, I'd love to carry a drum. It's just, it, uh, I mean, again, you can buy it online for what you could buy it from me from. And from a retail perspective, I just don't know that it makes sense to bring it there, in. There is a drum guy out of Chicago, if you want to look look him up. Um, and he's just, uh, they're, they're starting, they're not just starting out, but they've, they've been going for a little bit. Um, and he's making some really pretty drums. Uh, oh, God, why, now I have to forgetting the name he's in chicago he's in, chicago. in your backyard i know right so then my brain doesn't work <laughs> uh oh god why can i not remember the name of course uh 
Shit. Is he out of Chicago? Uh, he's right. He's out of the South Suburbs. Um, his his uh, his barbecue team name is Risky Brisket. Yeah. And he is. Uh, I my brain is gonna function. I promise. I promise. I'm gonna make this work. Why can I not remember the damn name? Oh, I'm trying to. I can, I can look him up. Risky look it up. Brisket. Look it up. I'm trying to look it up through my my way. Doesn't always work. Yeah. Let me see. Uh it it he makes some he makes some really pretty drums though. He's making some um some really nice drum smokers. And uh you may want to look into him if you want okay. to play a drum that nobody has. Right. You know what I mean? Um he does. He does some cool competitions. Uh, I know he's trying to get on that on that kind of circuit of of pushing his drum on that circuit, but um, it it's a very pretty uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty it's a really nice drum, and I've cooked on it, and it holds temp fantastic. I'm just oh, God. Why can't why can't my brain work? Yeah, it's not coming up. I can't get it either. But I can go through KCBS, look up a team name, and get his name. I will find it. <laughs> it's the last thing I do. I swear I'm going to find it. Oh. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, and we'll eventually get it to you. Well, I'll check that stuff out. I'll check out the, the M girls, and then I'll see if I can't hunt that guy down. Yeah, and I... I because I know drums are drums are really popular right now, and like I said, we're just kind of looking for something, just sure. something new to kind of bring into the store to uh, you know get into the mix a little bit. I'm sure we're going to be in contact and we'll be become friends, uh, and I will, will find this because my brain because right now it's your white buffalo and your, your oh dude, double O drums. <laughs> there it is. What is it? It's called double O drums. Double O drums. Yep. All right. They're pretty drums, man. They they really are. They hold temp really, really nicely, um, and he's he's right in that same price range. I think for his drum, I think, I think when you buy it, in a, in a retail standpoint, it's right around seven seven ninety nine, somewhere around there, which is a little bit more than like your your um, you know, your pit barrels, which is right. super thin gauges. But they're but, small anyway, right? They're, they're small. small. These, these are they're big small. drums. Um, I believe it's a 20, I think it's like 24 inches. It's either 22 or 24 inches. So it's a big drum. Maybe I'm wrong. It might even be a little bit bigger. It might be 26. I don't know. Um, but they're, they're, they're pretty drums. They really are. They're really well put together. All right, cool. And he, uh, he also has like these little like, they look like soup ladles, but uh, I, I made fun of them the first time I saw them. I was like, why do you have soup ladles on your fucking drum to, to my buddy who owns one? And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, they're they're there for, like, rain to make sure rain doesn't get in. I'm like, that totally makes sense. Never mind. I'll just shut my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and if anything, if you don't have a soup ladle, he's like, you can use one. <laughs> he's like, and it adds smoky flavor. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I just started dying laughing. But it was That's it a win-win. That's a win-win so situation. Amazing. So, at, you know, 
we'll kind of end the podcast with this question. Uh, what made you want to open a barbecue supply store? Well, I got, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's a long drawn out, terrible story, but, but the, the, the long and short of it is, um, so I had opened up my own business and I own another company as well called self services. And with that, I do a lot of government contract work, metal finishing stuff, zinc plating and stuff like that, but it's all government contract stuff. Okay. So, so I'm on the computer and I'm staring at, at, you know, 430 pages of bid and this and that and the other thing. And we do pretty good with that. Um, so that's, that's what I would, I would say is my main company. And I was getting bored with it after a couple of years. And I'm like, you know what, I need something else to do because I don't have enough to do. So um, right. I was gonna, so, so being in the restaurant business for as long as I'd been, I had missed it. And, but the restaurant's a lifestyle and there's a local university here, Shippensburg university where, where I went and there was a bar there for sale. And I was going to buy this bar, okay? And we were probably about two weeks, uh, myself and, and one of my friends, from buying this bar. And I sat down with my wife and I'm like, you know, we're, we're going to do this. She's like, you're really going to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I, I really want to. And she's like, you know, if you do this, we'll be divorced in about two years. <laughs> you're like, no, I, I give you, you should have been like, no, I only give you 16 months. And I was like, well, yeah, what could go wrong, Mikey? It was a college bar, you know, chicks and two o'clock in the morning and drinking. And sounds, a, that's it, a win-win situation. It sounds now, perfect. Just go for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, so I'm guessing, you know, you don't, I don't, I don't want to be divorced in two years. And, you know, and no, because then she so, takes half your money. What's that? She'll just no, take half my money. Takes yeah. Half your money. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who's been married four times. He's like, if I ever, he's got a girlfriend now. He's like, if I ever ask her to marry her, you just punch me in the head and tell me to buy her house. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I was like, well, looks like I'm not going to buy a bar. Um, but I had gotten to know the, uh, the guys at Meadow Creek fairly well um, from my days with working with Blue Ridge Mountain Cookery, the, the company that I worked for that made the big grills for, for military and stuff like that. Yeah. And they had come back to me and approached me about selling their units uh, through GSA contracts uh, to the government. And I was like, well, yeah, I could probably do that. You know, I wouldn't have to warehouse a lot of stuff and da 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 da. And they had a barbecue supply store. So I got to talking to Melvin, the owner there. And I'm like, you know, I'm about three hours from you guys. I, uh, you know, I think I'm going to try and open up a barbecue supply store, kind of get back into this a little bit. I really miss it. And um, um, so I did. So we opened it up um, in uh, 99. Uh, I opened up uh, the barbecue supply. And it's really funny. I look back now because, you know, back then I had I had no idea. You know, we were closed Monday and Tuesday. And then we were open like Wednesday from, you know, 11 to 4 or something. I had the stupidest hours. I found a sign not too long ago with my hours from the first year. And now, you know, over the past few years, we figured out that Monday is actually the, our busiest dollar day of the week we sell more stuff on mondays than any other day of the week yeah because all the guys run out of shit on saturday right Sunday, that's exactly like, go right here. you know what and i was closed for the first three years on monday <laughs> yeah no it's a learning so, curve yeah. yeah so yeah you figure it out but anyhow so um so yeah so slowly but surely you know we kind of i'm, I'm in an 18 uh an old uh schoolhouse that was built in 1897 um and we kind of just converted that into a uh it had been boarded up. The windows were boarded up. It had uh, uh, the the 
the exterminator guy told me we had like over 2000 bats in the attic. <laughs> You're like, great. Oh uh, yeah. So it was, it was special, but, uh, but anyway, so yeah, we kind of turned it into a barbecue supply store and it went so well, you know, I was figuring on the first year, to be honest with you, you know, I was thinking that it was going to be a write-off for my other company and we broke even in year one and awesome, uh, just, it's kind of grown since. And so kind of got a little bit of pressure then to open up a second store and we were looking at Winchester, Virginia, or over in Frederick, Maryland. And I had a lot of base of customers over in Frederick. So we opened up over in Frederick. And, and I, I will tell you now, if you never have to open a business in Maryland, never open a business in Maryland. I wasn't planning uh, on it, but thank you. That is the most, that is the most unfriendly to business state. Uh, do, you, do you know where I live? Yeah, well, no, I do. I, <laughs> I tell you what, I, I go where you are. Faster than I'd go to Maryland. I'm I don't know, dude. I don't know. It, it it is it is not a friendly business state here. Uh brothers, a small company. The state of Maryland wants to get their fees as quick as they can get them because they're sure that you're going to go out of business within two years. So they're going to fee you to death. So that way they get all their money out of you rather than try and encourage you to grow your business and get a tax you know get tax money out of you. Okay, they would just as soon just fee you to death. Okay, because they're sure that you're going to go under in two years and they ain't going to help you stay in business. Oh, yeah. Welcome I mean, they, to Chicago. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So, but we've been there for about five years now. And um, that's a different animal. It's more of a, a big city kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I kind of laugh about it because here in Greencastle, you know, we did a thing where within 20 miles of Greencastle, I think there are 38 restaurants. And within 20 miles of my store in Frederick, there are like 333 restaurants. <laughs> that's awesome yeah so you know it just it's a it's a different animal over there although it's interesting because now we've started selling larger pieces of equipment like uh you know catering trailers and stuff like that yeah um that we customize out a little bit uh to like caterers and restaurants and there's a big wine trade down in virginia and so like wineries are starting to bring in you know, a lot of smoked foods to go with their wines. And so we've started getting into that. Um, a lot of craft breweries are bringing in barbecue. And yeah. rather than than have uh, you know, food trucks come in, they're actually doing it in-house. So we started selling larger pieces of commercial equipment to those guys. And they are purists. I mean, if you talk to a winery guy, he's a purist from, I mean, they, they all want offset smokers. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're purists man. through and through. Smart people. <laughs> we don't sleep much yeah, yeah. But we're smart yeah okay? so but you know it's a true flavor you know what it is it, it's they they uh, to me a big thing of it is um doing the hard work and making sure that it comes out the way that i want it it it, it it's um it's a pride thing it's it's art. There's art to it. Yeah. There's there really is. I mean, I again, I'm I'm with you. I understand. I mean, it's a pain in the butt, and it's the worst thing you'll ever do, and it's the most inefficient cooker you can ever cook on. Okay, but there's there's skill that's involved in doing yep. that. Absolutely. And yeah, if you can do it right, you're, you're it's a home run. Yeah, so, I mean that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, but that's so, how. So anyway, so that's how I got into barbecue, owning barbecue um, equipment stores. Is is I missed it. And I wanted to get back into the food service somehow or another. And my wife wouldn't let me buy a bar. So I was like, you know what? I'll open a barbecue joint. And that's what I did. Probably smart so. though. 
Man. Yeah, she's she's a really smart cookie. Hey, <laughs> one wanna... one thing one thing I do want to leave you on. Yeah. Um, and and to kind of throw out there because I know a lot of competition teams listen to this is that one of the things that we are always looking for. We only carry in our store rubs and sauces from competition teams around the country. Um, we don't carry anything that other than I, I take that back. Other than uh, uh, Malcolm Reed stuff, which you can find in Lowe's sometimes. And uh, Mark Lambert, Sweet Swine of Mine, which he also sells commercially. Um, we do carry those in the store. But other than that, everything else that we carry comes from competition barbecue teams. So if there's a competition barbecue team out there that's got, you know, a decent rub or sauce that they would like us to try, they are more than welcome to send it in. And we do try them. Like we do. One of the cool things about the Friday lunches is that, you know, we cook every week. And so we'll try that rub and we'll put out those sauces and our customers can try it out and they'll give us feedback on the spot That's awesome. um, and let us know what they think. And if, if we have enough customers that come back and say, you know what, that that's great. That sauce was phenomenal. Then, um, you know, we'll absolutely bring it in. So if there's anybody out there listening that wants to send us some stuff, we're always looking for samples uh, that we can try out for to potentially bring in the store. We like to mix our stock up a little bit and I like small batch stuff. I don't like selling you know, big batch, you know, stuff that's been around for months on a shelf somewhere before we get it. That's been sitting there and the spices aren't exactly quite, quite as great. Yeah. It's, it's not quite as fresh as it could be. I yeah. get you, man. I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. The way I love ending my show is if you could go back to the beginning of your barbecue career and give yourself three tips to help shorten your barbecue learning curve, what would your three tips be? Uh, take a class. Um, you know, learn from somebody who really knows what they're, they're doing. Um, start out with a decent piece of equipment. Um, you know, you were talking about the, uh, Oklahoma Joe's, um, you know, the Oklahoma Joe is the best built smoker that you need to buy a kit for to make it work right. Um, you know, it, it really is. I mean, their offset Oklahoma Joe is built like a tank, but it doesn't work well unless you get the kit that yep. actually makes it work right. Um, so, you know, start out with a good piece of equipment and and use good charcoal. Um, you know, people don't realize, you know, the difference between a, a good charcoal and a bad charcoal. You know, everybody kind of starts out, well, I don't know about everybody, but, you know, starting out with match like, um, you know, Kingsford is, is not a good way to go. No. Um, you know, learn to use a charcoal chimney and learn what lump charcoal is all about and then and find a good charcoal you know a, a bad charcoal will mess up your cook in a minute so yeah if those were the three things i would say good charcoal start out with a good cooker and if you really want to learn what 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 to do go take a class um i'm, I'm big believers in all three of those yeah no i'm a that is a huge thing i, I believe in it um everything you just said was, was like phenomenal just amazing uh, tips. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show's show and chatting barbecue with us. Once again, guys, if you want to find him on the internet, it's Mason Dixon BBQ supply on Instagram, uh, which we will have the link and tag tag for. Um, and then we will also have their website and all that. And like he said, if you have a barbecue rub line that you compete with or a sauce line, send it into them. Maybe they'll carry it. Yeah, we'll check it out for sure. Dude, thank you so much. Hey, Mikey, thanks a lot, man. This was an, uh, a lot of fun. It was it was 
very easy to talk to you, and uh, I had a great time. And thanks for the heads up on those cookers. I'll definitely check them out. Awesome. Let me know which one you end up bringing in. All right. Peace out, man.